today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. heart isn't already set to worship, if your heart and mind and focus already aren't His, if calamity comes, you're going to curse God. Job comes and he worships Him. Listen to what he says. Naked I came into my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gives and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's a peculiar man. That's a man that we need to look at and we need to say, wow, but that we could have that heart. How do you react when you face hardship? Is your first response to blame God and grow bitter, or is it to worship? Worship will not come naturally, but as Pastor David points out in the example of Job, it is your holy calling as a faithful child of God. To be his child is to acknowledge that he is wise and powerful, to surrender yourself to his will, knowing that it may not always be easy but he will work good out of it. You may not even see that good in your lifetime, but the eternal rewards will be worth it. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Job chapter 1 as he continues his message, Ancient Problems. It was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of theology in that one verse that we don't understand. Okay, there's just a whole lot there that we could spend a lot of time speculating about. Why is Satan right there with God, and why is he able to bring all of this stuff? Again, that's that's a lot deeper than we're going tonight. So let's just leave it at this, that where it's at. Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, "Where from where do you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. Verse 8 troubles me. I want, I want God to know my name, okay? But there's sometimes, like in this situation... I hope he remembers your name and not mine. (laughs) Verse 8, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him in all the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And Satan answered the Lord and said, oh yeah, but does Job fear God for nothing? Why, you place his hedge around him and his house and all that he has on everything. You've blessed his work, the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But if you'd put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, why, he'd surely curse you right to your face, God. The Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not put put forth your hand on him, on him physically. So Satan departed from the presence of the Lord, and it just so happens that on this day, his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. 
The message came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them and the Sabians uh, attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another one came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, the Chaldeans formed three bands. They made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another one also came and said, said, your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the older brother house. Behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they died. I alone have escaped to tell you. Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground. What does it say? And he worshiped. I submit to you, that's a peculiar man. Because his heart was already set on worship, even when calamity came, he was still able to worship. You don't just do that, just boom, something happens, and and you then turn to worship. If your heart isn't already set to worship, if your heart and mind and focus already aren't his, if calamity comes, you're going to curse God. Job comes and he worships him. And listen to what he says. Naked, I came into my mother's womb, and naked, I shall return there. The Lord gives, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. That's a peculiar man. That's a man that we need to look at, and we need to say, wow. <laughs> but that we could have that heart. Chapter two goes on, and he says, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came among them to present himself before the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord saying, from roaming around the earth again, still walking around. The Lord said to Satan, second time, have you considered my servant Job? For there's no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. He still holds fast his integrity, by the way, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. There's a lot of theology in that little verse right there. For you to know and understand that there's nothing that comes to you, but that God is not intimately aware and acquainted with. Satan doesn't have a free reign. Satan just can't come and, and do something to you. You need to understand at the worst of the attacks that we have within our lives, spiritual, emotional, financial, physical, relationship, whatever it might be, the worst of the attacks, God is intimately aware of that. And that's why we have to be creatures of worship and know the greatness of who he is well beyond our understanding. Satan answered the Lord and said, yeah, well, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he'll curse you to your face. So the Lord said to Satan, behold, he's in your power, only spare his life. Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet to the crown of his head. Job took a pot shear, a piece of broken pottery, to scrape himself while he was sitting among the ashes. 
and his wife, his bride, the love of his life, the beauty, the splendor. That godly woman that he married, she came out and says, do you hold fast to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Ow! When your closest acquaintances, the love of your life, man, your faith isn't working. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but life is not good right now. Your faith is not working. Your prayers aren't being answered. Why don't we just go back to the old life? Why don't we just go back to the old way? Because you see, all the things that you've said that you believe in, apparently they're not true. It's a peculiar man or woman that can stand at that point in time and declare again all, all that he said. He said, he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And in all of this, Job did not sin with his lips. And then his three buddies came by to see him, check on him, how he's doing. Elphaz, the Timonite, Bildad, the shortest man in the Bible. He was a shoe height. I'm sorry, I had to use that one. I, you know, that's the only chance you get to use that one. And Zophar, the Namathite, and they made an, an, an appointment together to come to, to sympathize with him. They, they came to comfort him. When they lifted up their eyes at the distance, and they, they didn't even recognize him. They raised their voices and they wept. And each of them tore their robe, and they they threw dust over their heads toward the sky. And they sat down on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights with no one speaking a word to him, for they saw that his pain was great. Seven days out of respect for his mourning. You know, some of the best things we can do when we see people that are going through hard times is nothing. Say nothing, but be there. In my years as a pastor and years before that in, in, in ministry, situations that, that, that people's lives, you know, again, things, things were going on in their lives, whether it be the loss of a loved one or, or sicknesses or diseases, to be able to be there with them. I can guarantee you that probably the 98% of them don't remember a thing that I said, but just the fact that I was there. It's the same way with you. You say, well, I, I, I don't know what to say. Just go and be there as a friend. Because you see, one of the things we're going to learn real quick is while these guys were quiet, they were doing a good thing. As soon as they opened their mouths, that's when it all went south. And because they started trying to figure this out on their own, they started to come up with answers of their own rather than just being there because of their love, because of their concern. And again, weeping with those who weep. That's what they're there for. Then they begin this conversation in each one of the four men. He begins to share their thoughts with Job about his affliction. And the, the writer of this puts it all in this long poetic form. 
The beginning here in chapter 3, Job curses the day that he was born. That's in verses 3 through 16. He, he, he says right there, let the day perish on which I was to be born. The night which, I, which was said, a boy is conceived. May that day be darkness. Let not God above care for it, nor light shine on it. That's a pretty miserable state to be in. It says in verse 6, as for that night, let darkness seize it. Let it not rejoice among the days of the year. In other words, don't, don't have a party on my birthday. Let it not come into the number of months. Let, behold, let that night be barren. Let no joyful shout enter it. Let those curse it who curse the day, who are prepared to arouse Leviathan. Let the star of its twi- twilight be darkened. And verse 11, why did I not die at birth? Come forth from the womb and expire. Why did the knees receive me? Why did the breast that I should that I should suck? For now I would have lain down and been quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest. That's what's going on in his life right now. That's the reality of what he's going through, the, the feelings, the issues that he's going on. Uh, life and death, light and darkness, all of these things he's comparing his life to. He wishes that again, that his birth had been shrouded in darkness. He longs to have never been born. He feels that again, light or, or life only intensifies the misery that he has. Then in chapter four, his friend Eliphaz, he, he responds to Job. He responds, now, Job, you, you've comforted other people, but apparently you never really understood pain. Eliphaz believes that Job's agony must be due to some kind of a sin that Job committed. Look what he says here in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4. He says, uh, back up to 6, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. Is not your fear of God, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope? Well, remember now, whoever perished being innocent. In other words, what man alive has ever really been innocent? Or where were the upright destroyed? According to what I have seen, those who plow iniquity and those who sow trouble, they harvest it. So in essence, Job, you must have been plowing iniquity. You you must have been sowing trouble because now you have that in your life. Thanks for all your assistance, Eliphaz. I appreciate the love, the concern that you're showing my way. Over in chapter 5, you got to move quite it through. Verse 17 of chapter 5. Still Eliphaz speaking. He says, Behold, how happy is the man whom God reproves. So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he inflicts pain and he gives relief. He wounds and his hands also heal. From six troubles he will deliver you, even in seven evil will not touch you. In famine he will redeem you from death and war from the power of the sword. You'll be hidden from the scourge of the tongue, neither will you be afraid of violence when it comes. Verse 27, behold this, we've investigated it, and thus it is. Hear it, know for yourself. In other words, what he's saying through all of that, if we had time to read through, is you are being disciplined for your wrong, Job, so fess up to it. Face it, deal with it, and as soon as you repent of it, God will bring healing to you. Well, we get to that point in chapters 6 and 7, and Job tries to defend himself. You could read it all, but let's look down in verse uh, 10 in chapter 6. He says, but it's still my consolation, and I rejoice in unsparing pain. 
that I have not denied the words of the Holy One. In other words, he says, I've, I've not gone against God. Look down at verse 29. So he's telling Eliphaz, desist now. Let there be no injustice. Even desist. In other words, stop it. My, right, my righteousness is still intact. Is there injustice in my tongue? Cannot my palate discern calamities? In other words, he's saying, man, I'm not speaking lies. I'm telling you the truth. I, 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 there's no doubt you, a person gets in a situation like Job, he's going to do some soul searching. I mean, you'd be an absolute fool if, if a calamity came to you and you didn't at least stop first and say, okay, Lord, let, let's, do that. let's do that personal examination first. Let me see if there is a hidden sin that, man, I need to repent of and get over. Let's take, the, let's take care of that first. But Job says, no, my, my, my integrity is still intact. My, my, my righteousness is, is still there. But they're not going to stand with that. Uh, chapter uh, uh, 7, he goes on, look down at verse 20. Yeah, 20. He says, have I sinned? What have I done to thee? As he's speaking out, he's crying out to God. What have I done to thee, O watcher of men? Why hast thou set me as thy target, so that I am a burden even to myself? Why then dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? So to God, he said, man, if, if I have sinned, then, then forgive it, take it away. For now I lay down in the dust, and you're going to look for me, but I'm just not going to be. In other words, he says, man, I'm just wasting away. Chapter 8 finds Bildad, the, the, the shoe height, you know, the little guy. Uh, and again, he, he comes and, and he starts adding to what Eliphaz uh, had stated. Again, Job, apparently you are guilty. Uh, chapter 8, look at verses 3, beginning in 3. Does God pervert justice? Or does the Almighty pervert what is right? If your son sinned against him, then he delivered them into the power of their transgression. Do you realize what he said there? Your kids died because they sinned, Job. They sinned and God took them. It's not a very comforting thought from somebody to come and, 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 and bring peace to someone. It says in verse 5, if you would seek God and implore the compassion of the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, surely now he would rouse himself for you and restore your righteous estate Though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. In other words, he's saying, you know, if you would, if you would confess right now, he'll, he'll restore you. He'll, he'll come. He, if you were really and truly pure and upright, God would restore you. But apparently that's not the case, Job. So you need to repent. So in chapters 9 and 10, Job continues to plead his case, and he recognizes in, in the midst of all this, sure, the, the absolute reality of the, of the majesty, the might, and the power of God over all of creation, even over all of his own life. Look what he says in chapter 9, look at uh, beginning at the verse 1, then Job answered, in truth, I know that this is so, but how can a man be in the right? before God. None of us stand in righteousness before God outside of Christ. I cannot be good enough. That's what Job is saying. How can any man really and truly be right before God? If one wishes to dispute with him, you can't even begin to answer God once in a thousand 
times. Wise in heart and mighty in strength. Who has defied him without harm? So Job is saying, man, you know, that's, I understand these things. I'm fully aware of these things. Look what he says. Verse 5, it's God who removes the mountains. They know not how. When he overturns them in his anger, who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble? Who commands the sun not to shine and sets a seal upon the stars? See, Job is declaring the greatness, the majesty, the might, and the power of God over all of his creation. He, He knows that God is able to do whatever God wants to do, and he's surrendered to that even as he has always been prior to this calamity. Look down in verse 19. If it's a matter of power... Behold, he's the strong one, not me. If it's a matter of justice, who can summon him? He's not guilty of anything. And though I am righteous, understand where he's coming from. He's, he's coming from the idea, you know, I, I, I try, I'm a man of integrity. I try to do the right thing. Although I am righteous, my mouth will condemn me. In other words, I know that there's still areas that, that I fail in. Though I'm guiltless, he will still declare me as guilty because, again, he understands the difference between the holiness and the majesty of God and even the best that man can do. We just can never truly match up to all that's there. Jump to chapter 11. Well, chapter 10, he starts out, I loathe my own life. I'll I'll give full vent to my complaint. I'll speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Let me know why thou dost contend with me. Why, why are you coming against me? Why is this happening? I, I, I want to stop with that and, and, and just say this to encourage you in some areas. You look at the words of Job. You look at the words of the psalmist. And I want to tell you, there, there are honest words that are being spoken there. There is honesty there that all too often I believe that we are afraid to speak or or to declare. In essence, what he's saying is, God, why are you coming against me? I've been trying to do the right thing. Do Do you realize that that's an okay prayer to pray? It's okay to pray. I don't understand why all of these things are going. I don't understand why my life is a mess, why this is happening, why this evil is coming. That's okay to pray. Because in essence, what Job is praying and what the psalmist declares off and on through the psalmist, Lord, give me a clue of what I need to do to set this right or help me to understand why it's happening. I think that's honest and that's real. The thing that infuriates me is the teaching that goes through Christianity and has been going for multiple decades right now is, oh, don't dare say that you're going through a hard time. Don't dare confess that you're struggling in your life. That's a negative confession. And if you do a negative confession, that's going to compound that negativity upon you. Beloved, that's a new age concept. That's not a biblical concept. The word of God over and over shows us we can speak the truth. And if I'm hurting, if I'm aching, if I'm scared, if I'm fearful, if I'm sick... If I'm just, man, just totally blasted by what's going on in the world, it's okay for me to speak those things to God. Open our hearts. 
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.